Hello there, Charmaine here, and welcome to Heart of a Daughter podcast. I am your host, and I am pleased to announce that I will have with me today Mr. James Osayende George, joining us all the way from Nigeria. He will be sharing his information on his newly released book, Your Journey with God, as well as writing tips and his wisdom on spiritual discipline. I am really looking forward to this conversation, and I hope that you are too. I want to thank you all for continuing to join me as I aim to spread the message of love, testimony, and identity in Christ. Stay tuned. Enjoy. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yes. Good morning. Um, it's a pleasure. So yeah. I I have here with me Mr. James George, uh, Osayende George. Mr. George, uh, it's a pleasure to have you. It's such an honor. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Hello, everyone. Yes, sir. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. All right. I, my name is James Osayende George. Yes, uh, you, you did pronounce that name. People don't get it the first time. Oh. You know, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm from Nigeria. I'm from Edo State, uh, from Nigeria, the southern part of Nigeria, but I was born in northern Nigeria, and uh, uh, I'm the only son in a family of four girls, so we are five, and um, I'm a minister of the gospel, I'm a writer, and I, I currently serve in a local church right now, although I've, I've served as a resident pastor for a local church in, in the Muslim north of Nigeria, that was actually where I was ordained as a pastor in the Muslim North. And I sat there for five years. And on the fifth year, that was when God inspired me to, to move out, that he was relocating me somewhere else. So that was what relocated me all the way from the North down to the South, where I've actually been, been, been serving in a local church. But I had my first experience with Jesus Christ at the age of 13, even though I was born into uh, a, a religious family, I, I wasn't saved. We were going to church, we belonged to a church, and we, we knew how to pray, we knew how to read the Bible. We, we, we were, as, a, as, a, as a child, I belonged to the church. I attended the children's Sunday school. So I was familiar with the religious environment and activities. Yeah. But deep down, I knew there was still a vacuum that was yet to be filled. I, I, I always had this emptiness on the inside. But at the age of 13, I had this a unique experience with God alone in the room. I knew I met with the Holy Spirit that day. And that was the day I completely dedicated my life to Christ. And ever since then, it's, 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 it's been a very long time and it's been a wonderful mm -hmm. journey. The grace of God has kept me and I've experienced so much of his love, so much of his grace. And I can really say that that has been the best decision I ever made in my life, following Christ, becoming a child of God. That's been the best decision. I've never regretted being saved one day. Wow. And God has 
yeah. That's beautiful. So you met the Lord at yeah. 13, and then you've been yeah. you've been committed to him ever since then. Yes, wow. yes, yes. Wow, wow. That's incredible. So, Pastor George, we're just going to start with um, the first question. I know that you're a writer, and you have some books published, and you recently published Yes. So can you tell us, yes. Um, yes. how many books have you written so far? Yeah, by the grace of God, I, I've, I've, I've done a lot of manuscripts. Let me start with that. And some of them, I've not converted them into books yet. But I've been able to do poems and other shorter titles. However, I can say I've written five books right now. Wow. Five books right now. One of which is a devotional. Uh, I am yet to publish that, actually, but I'm done with writing it. I'm yet to publish it. And there is also a 30 days devotional as well. That is another devotional. And I'm also yet to publish that, even though I'm done with it. And by the grace of God, I should be done with the publishing by the year's end. But I have three already published. Uh, one is already uh, out. The second one is, was just released. And the third one is on a business startup. It's not actually spiritual based. It's business based. And the first one is titled God's Oil. That's, it's, an, it's, a, it's an exhortation, actually, from the parable of, this, uh, of, the, of the virgins that Jesus gave. The Lord inspired me to write an exhortation on that. Uh, it's not too long, just short. But it's on Amazon right now. The title is God's Oil. Then the second one is Before You Climb the Business Ladder. It's a, it's a book for business startups. Uh, it's a good book, but it's not spiritual based. It's just purely business. And the third one is the recently released, uh, which is Your Journey with God, that I just released during the week. So those are actually the five books that are currently on ground that I've written. Wow. So can you share the process you went through? Like, what inspires you? To uh, like, um, yeah. was there anything significant in these seasons that brought these books or writings to life? Yeah, yeah. Each of these books have a story behind them. Each of these books have a story behind them. Okay. If I should start with um, the most recently that's uh, your yeah. journey with God, right? I would say that book, I got inspired to write that book around um, 2008. 2008, and I began the writing process, uh, began scribbling down every note. You know, the Spirit of God was inspiring in my heart, and it took me 10 full years to put that together. Ten full years, and within I saw myself grow in the knowledge of God. I saw myself grow in understanding of God. Uh, I I I tell the book. I tell people that this is not just a book I wrote. Mm -hmm. It's actually an experience. All right that this book is an experience of all my passions, all my fears, is an experience of God coming true as an individual. And how I've seen the hand of God take someone who didn't know certain things, coming to 
a place of understanding, double backing to correct your ignorance, and coming back to receive healing through the newfound truth that you've had. And therefore, that book is a product of those personal experiences I've had with God. And God bringing it out to say, look, you know what? You need to put to see, to be blessed with, and to be guided by. Okay? And so I, I, if, you, if you go through the book, you're going to see it reflects some very core aspects of life that affects not just me, but every other person that is uh, walking in life with God. Then the book, God's Oil, the process of publishing that book, the exhortation of the parable of Jesus' parable of the Virgin was actually from the place of a Bible study fellowship. Currently, I have an interdenominational Bible study campaign that is held every day. We read two chapters of the Bible a day and we come online to discuss not just what we learned, but our experiences. Mm -hmm with those uh, scriptures, how they affected us. It could be a single verse, it could be a single statement, it could be a question, whatever it is. And so people come to share these experiences. And while we're having one experience with the book of Matthew one time, that was when this book was inspired, God Oil. And everyone's discussion combined together to inspire the writing of that book. And I was even surprised when I gathered everything together, I discovered that I was counting in pages and there the Spirit of God was like, hey, you have a book. So put it up, put it together. And before I knew what was going on, that was the first time I was actually going to put it on Amazon. Yeah, I didn't know what was going on. That was the first time I was actually going to have a book on Amazon. I didn't have the resources. I was going to throw it to God. I was like, I didn't have the money to publish. And the Holy Spirit inspired me to go learn about self-publishing. And I did so much research, tried to learn this. I did the designs myself. I did the, the editing process myself. And before I knew what was going on, the book was already on Amazon. And I've seen reviews and I've seen that it's been a blessing to people. You know, although I've not reached millions or thousands, but I know the few people who laid their hands on the book, they, they, they've testified that many of them even wish the book was longer. Yeah. You know, well, take a, I, I part two. So you self-published yes. um, self all of your books? All my books, yes. I, I did self-publishing. Mm -hmm. you know, one of the reasons the book took me up to 10 years to even come through because I was focusing so much on the limited resources around me, being in ministry and serving God. Uh, in my country, things are not that, that, that at their best. I know a lot of countries right now are going through economic recession. I was like, oh, well, where am I going to get the money to publish this book, you know, in a much more professional way? And the Holy Ghost was teaching me to focus more on the grace that lifts me than on the need that limits me. And so I, I focused more on that using the resources I had. And surprisingly, the first book, Got Oil, that was on Amazon, was I did everything with my phone. Everything with my phone. I, I didn't even have a laptop then. Wow. I couldn't afford a laptop then. Everything was done with my mobile device. Mm -hmm. And when I talked to them, they are like, do you mean this? I said, yes. I did the typing. I did the cover designs. I processed 
it on Amazon and it's there right now and it's looking good. It's good and it's been a blessing. It's this second book that I know I there was some upgrade, but it's still self-publishing. All my books have been self-published. Wow. And so I know that you um you're you blog as well, right? Yes. And so like when you what inspires those? Do like things just come to your mind or do you like just sit in front of the computer or your phone and write or like what leads yeah, to do specific topics? Yeah, uh, really, I can't really put my finger on one particular thing that causes, uh, that inspires or triggers uh, my inspiration to write. But I would say that the Lord speaks to me through everything. Maybe I could be walking on the road right now and I, I could hear a conversation and it would inspire me to write. I could just pick up my phone and start typing. It would just come. Mm. Probably two people are involved in a discussion and it's, it's, it draws my interest to it. And I, began, I, and I begin to think about it. The more I think about it, I begin to interact with the Holy Spirit. And before you know, answers begin to come. Answers that I never knew myself. And I'll tell myself, you know what, I need to write this down. And while writing it down, it, it begins to expand and expand. And before you know, it becomes a full article that has to go online. And then there are times I could just see a topic, a caption, and it will just trigger a whole article. And I know it has to go online. And so everything, the weather, the, the, the conversation, people's actions, my thoughts, or uh, an inspiration could just come. It could come any time of the day. Uh, I've once woken up in the middle of the night to just write to write on my blog. I've woken up in the middle of the night with an inspiration. I've had dreams about the title and I've had to wake up to write it exactly the way I got it, lest I forget. And so those uh, topics and titles on my blogs, they are not just uh, something that has been written as is, as is scheduled to follow. Yeah. They are inspired. Beautiful. They are inspired. Yes. So what... What is your goal? Like, what is the main thing you desire from, for people to take away from your writings? Just to like, mm. what it, yeah, when, that, when someone reads your work, what is your, your main goal in mind? Yeah, that, that's something that God had, God helped me with from the very beginning of my writing. I also asked myself that question. What should people uh experience when they read my writings and the whole answer to that is found in God's word over my life you see over my ministry over my work over my destiny Isaiah 42 verse 6 to 7 okay Isaiah 42 verse 6 to 7 it says I the Lord have called you in righteousness I will hold your hand and I'll keep you and give you a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles verse 7 says to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and those that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Now, every time, the whole picture in my mind, the whole picture in my heart for the reader is through this writing, people should find hope. Hmm. Through my writings, people should experience the love of Christ. And so I don't put my writing in a condescending tone. I don't give it a... A hardcore casing. I try to make it as peaceful, as loving, and as gentle as possible. Yeah. I try to write in such a way that 
as I finish writing, I pray and I say, Lord Jesus, help people to experience a more freeing relationship with you through this writing. Let the eyes of people open to see the truth about their work with you. Let chains literally fall off my hearers. It could be chains of addictions, chains of fear, whatever chains they may be having, let them find freedom. Like the word says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So through my writings, I, I, I trust God that everyone who reads them should receive freedom, healing, and be bound to Jesus Christ. That's the whole goal of my writing. Wow, that is that's incredible. Yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. I love the yes, scripture sir. too. And I love how you say like yes, you, you make, you're intentional about not using a condescending tone. Um, yes, I think that's really important. And so uh, the next question I want to ask is, how do you handle the challenge of writer's block? So like not being able to think of what to write or how to proceed when you're working on your manuscripts, your writings? Yeah, Mm -hmm. yes. Uh, I I experienced that a lot, especially within the the 10 years period of putting my last book together. There were times when I would would write, I get to a place and I'll be like, what should come here? Like, Lord, what should I put here? I just can't stop here. And it's like, I'm stuck. There's nothing coming. And what I do when I experience something like that is I just, I just leave it alone. Okay. Since every of my write-ups are inspired, I believe that at that moment, the inspiration is not coming. So what do I do? I, I, I set down the manuscript, I drop it. And then I I take a break. I take a break from the writing. I don't put myself under any pressure when I'm writing. Because if I put myself under pressure when I'm writing, I feel like I'm going to be more mechanical than I am spiritual. Remember I told you that my my writings are intentional. I, 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 I have an aim. And so therefore that aim is defeated when I make it mechanical. I try to be professional. I want to reach a goal I've set for myself. I want to be inspired by God and I want to follow his timing and go at his pace. And so when I describe that inspiration, I'm not getting it. I just feel probably I need a break or I need to go stir up myself. And so I could stop writing at that time and then pray or pick up a book to read or just do something fun that makes me relax. I will realize that at times after I do this, it may take me a day or two, and all of a sudden, that heavy wave of inspiration would come again. Mm-hmm. And there are also times when I could, it could take me up to a week. In fact, during my last uh, book, during the preparation of my last book, there were times when I spent a month, up to three, four months, I didn't touch it. I wasn't getting anything. I felt like I was lost. And I, I was feeling guilty anyway, but I remember, look, this is how God is with us. You see, there are times when we just have this whole surge of emotions and inspiration and the Lord, we are so excited because there's something to put down. And then there are other times that it looks like God is silent. It's not actually silent, okay? It's not actually silent. He just wants us to breathe, okay? He wants us to digest. He wants us to prepare for the next wave that is coming. So I not only write, you know, physically, I believe I stir up myself in the spirit. 
and in the spirit, I'm aligned to be able to put something together. So for me, writer's block is more spiritual than physical wow. for me. And so I, 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 I trust the Lord to help me deal with it. Yes. Wow, that's very good. Very eye-opening. That's right. So um, the next thing I want to ask is how would you define spiritual discipline? Mm, yes, spiritual discipline. Um, permit me to be, uh, to be very simple about it. Yes. To be very personal. I mean, not uh, follow me, maybe a theological definition or a dictionary. I like to be very open-minded and simple about it, based on my understanding and my personal experience with God, okay? Now, I would define spiritual discipline as, uh, as, a, as a state in the life of a child of God or a person who is saved, where he is stable in the spirit. Commitments to his maturity process, his process, where he is not tossed by everything, does not accept everything, and is simply driven only by what he is convinced about from Scripture. So, if he is not led by the Spirit of God, he does not indulge himself. That's how I would define spiritual discipline yes that is really good it's like the scripture you walk after the spirit mortify the deeds of the flesh. yeah yeah exactly yeah you remember uh, romans 8 where it says as many as are led by the spirit of god these are the sons of god yeah that's really good yeah so um what are some healthy ways of thinking and like or practices we can put like put in place in our lives to help us remain consistent in the Holy Spirit's work in our life? Yes. Um, first of all, let me say that the, 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 the Christian journey, the Christian life is, is progressive. Okay? It's, it's spiritual growth. It's not just something we wake up to. Like, I slept last night as a baby, immature, and I wake up this morning completely grown up as in the spirit. You get what I mean? Uh, growing in our walk with God, in our understanding of his ways, and yielding to the Holy Ghost is progressive. Reason being that it's our spirit that gets born again. Our mind still has to go through its own process of renewal and transformation. And many of our resistance to the Holy Spirit comes from our minds. Mm-hmm. They come from our own uh, created knowledge, the knowledge we've acquired over the years, the experiences we've had, and our fears. So when the Holy Ghost is leading us to the left, leading us to the right, our reasonings, our own personal understanding, and our limited knowledge tries to counter that using the evidences that we can see. And the scripture tells us that We are not driven by the things we can see, but by the things we cannot see. For the things which we can see, they are temporal. But the things which we cannot see, they are eternal. They are of true value. So I, from my own personal experiences, 
on how over the years the Holy Ghost have worked on me and helped me to be more yielding and to remain consistent because for a person to commit to a process in their work with God, it takes the help of God. Consistency on his part is one of the most difficult things for us to have. A lot of people don't know that. And a lot of believers I knew while I was growing in the faith, today they are no longer in the faith. They are no longer in the faith. So the people that used to encourage me why, when I newly became born again, right now, they are very far from the faith. Mm. They are very far from the faith. I had one on an occasion when he told me he doesn't believe in Jesus anymore, that God betrayed him and stuff like that. But over the years, God has helped me to remain consistent. I may not be as uh, mighty and high like so many people, but I believe that God has consistently following him in a steady manner. And for me, I give God praise for that. So what are those healthy ways, you know, the Holy Ghost has helped me to not resist him and to remain consistent, allowing him to form the nature of Christ in me. Number one has been true prayer. Okay? True prayer. True prayer. Mm -hmm. When a a believer that doesn't give themselves to prayer again and again and again will find it difficult to to listen to the Holy Spirit. They'll find it difficult to listen to the Holy Spirit, especially when you are filled with the Spirit and you pray in tongues. You see, these things open up your spirit to hear. They open up your spirit to the dimensions and the realities of God. All right? So I, I had a pastor who taught me this. And he told me, you know what, you want to hear more of God, you know, you have to be a person of prayer. Give time to prayer. You don't have to start with five hours a day. You don't have to start with three hours a day. You don't have to start with one hour a day. You could start with 10 minutes. In fact, let me share a funny experience with you. The first time I used to hear my pastor say things like, he prays an hour, he prays two hours a day, he prays three hours a day. And I was like, what? I need to do this. I have to do this. I also need to grow. You know, I need to be able to do this. I I don't have to be a pastor because he will tell us, look, it's not just for pastors. You could enjoy God so much that time loses its, uh, you know, relevance. You just want to enjoy all of God. Mm -hmm. And so you don't even keep track of time anymore. And so the first time I prayed for 10 minutes on a stretch, (laughs) you need to see me celebrating. I was so excited. I was the house i told my sisters i said i prayed for 10 minutes yo and they were like wow that's a big deal because they had not even ventured that at all so i felt like a champion then but you know when i told him he was like that's great but you need to keep going you need to keep going and that was like the biggest inspiration he would give me i saw him like an object of you know a model i could follow yeah. and i kept praying and the day i prayed I, I skipped from 30 minutes to two hours at a stretch. I didn't know. And so, but do, I wasn't just doing that because I wanted to tell people I could pray, yeah. but I just wanted to know more more of God, yeah. all right? I just wanted to know so much about God. And that prayer has really helped me because I could be in, uh, in transit. I could be traveling. I could be working right now. And I'll find myself having the desire to pray. And thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit in tongues while I'm working and then I'll be receiving inspiration what the Lord wants me to do how he wants me to do it 
where he wants me to go and all of that. Yeah. Okay. So number one on that list is the, 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 the character or the practice of prayer, consistent prayer, not once in a week, not twice in a week, daily, and not just as much as you can. Remember the Bible says pray without season. Yeah. There should be no end. We are people of prayer and prayer is our interaction with God. So if I love him so much, then I want to talk to him all the time. Okay. Then number two is actually the word. The word. Spending time with the word cannot be overemphasized. We read books. One of the books that exposed me to yielding more to the Holy Spirit were books by Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth He again, you know. And Kenneth He again was a mentor to my pastor. And so he recommended his books to me. And so I was so into his books. And his books really taught me more about the Holy Spirit, as well as Benny Hinn's book, you know, Good Morning Holy Spirit. That taught me so much about the Spirit of God and how to yield to him. Amongst other teachings from ministers of God and the Bibles, with the Bible daily, I, I, I came to realize that the Holy Ghost uses the language of the Word of God that I have to speak. You know, he won't use something I'm not familiar with and he will never guide me outside of his word. That's right. You yeah. see, a lot of people can say it's the Holy Ghost that is guiding them and you see them doing things that contradict what the word of God says. That is not the Holy Ghost. And you see, they can't know whether it's the Holy Ghost or not when they don't even know the word of God. Through the word standard of God, through the word of God, we, the, the curriculum of God, and so when we hear something in our spirit, check it from God's word. We could be praying and then we could hear voices. For example, Jesus heard the devil telling him to cast himself from a mountain. Mm. And he quoted the scripture to, the, to, to Jesus. He would give his angels charge over you. That was Psalm 91. But thank God Jesus understood the word. See, if Jesus had not whole, known the word or understood, Jesus would the mountain too and said, yes, this is what the word says. He would give his angels charge over me. And he would have maybe jumped to his death. Yeah. But thank God for the understanding of the word to know the difference between the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of the devil. Okay. And so helped me personally to be able to dissect the word, to be able to give balance to it. And thank God for the kind of ministry God has called me to. I'm called to give balance to the word of God. I don't just listen to teachings. I want to be able to give balance to it and help people find the light in it for their own personal situation, peculiar to them, not what everyone is doing. Okay. And so I have scriptures that I've been taught to confess on a daily basis, like uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 to 19, where it says, The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know the hope of his calling and the riches of his glory in his, of his inheritance in the sense and the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. That same power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And also Colossians 1 verse 9 and 10, where he says that he would fill you with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you will walk worthy of him, fully pleasing him in all things and abounding continually in the knowledge of him. These are just two of the scriptures that I confess on a daily basis, and they help me to stay in tune with the Holy Ghost and remain consistent in allowing him from the nature of Christ in me. One of the things I do is that when I want to respond to certain external things, I try to ask myself, how does this represent Jesus? 
how does this represent Jesus? And I believe it's not just me asking myself. That's the Holy Ghost putting that question in my yes. heart. Does this represent me? Does this represent Christ? If it does not represent Christ, you know, I don't find my... This was what I was following up to the point that someone was asking me, do you ever get angry? And I was like, yes, I do. They said, I've never seen you angry. I said, well, thank God for his grace. <laughs> you see, I used to have anger issues. I used to have anger issues so much, but these are just the secret. There was no, I didn't go for uh, therapy. I didn't go for counseling. It was this scripture and this practice I just shared with us that helped me. Okay, so much that when I find myself getting angry at someone or getting offended or bitter, I, I remember what the scripture says to pray for our enemies or people who are unhurt us. And so I try to practice that. And when I start praying for the person, those ill feelings I have towards them change to positive feelings. And the, the negative energy that was surrounding me before suddenly dissolves because I am putting to practice what I'm seeing in the word. And it's actually releasing power and grace and not just that is giving me healing as well and so these has been this these are just the some of the healthy practices which are the major ones actually also we can surround ourselves with people who are sensitive to the spirit i will call that number three you know surround ourselves with people who are sensitive to the spirit people who born more for christ even than you but people who are ready to hold your hands and go with you not people who try to make you feel like they are better than you no that does not show Christ and it will not form the character of Christ in you. Rather, it will replicate them inside of you. But when you have people who are born in for Christ and are ready to love you at your level, believing God on your behalf to raise you to where they are and even much more than they, then you are ready and positioned for this consistent work. I think I'll stop with those three. If anyone practices those three, they, they are set for a, a healthy journey Christ. Yeah, that was a solid three. Those are great. Yeah, very good. Yes. Um, so can you tell us how we can remain disciplined in our devotion, like our devotional life toward the Lord and things we feel led by faith that he has called us to? So like, I guess that, that would be mm. like our devotional life, but also like our endeavor, like if we feel yes, something, yeah. how can we be disciplined and sticking to that? Yeah. How can we be disciplined in our devotions? One um, is depending on Him. We we can't do anything without Him. Jesus says, "With nothing, without Him, you can do nothing." Our strength can only take us so far. Yes, uh, you see, at the beginning of every endeavor, you've observed that people are usually very excited. People are full of life and energy, but after a while, the energy dissipates. We, we begin to seek things that will motivate us, especially when we are not seeing the kind of results we, we expect to see. Uh, I will give an instance from my own personal experience. What has helped me in my devotion to the Lord has been a soul dependence on the Spirit of God to help me in my faith with him. There have been days when I've been tempted to, to step out, to be like, you know what? I don't even know what's real anymore. I'm so pressed on every side. I don't know what to believe anymore. But the Holy Ghost kind of reminds me of the experience, the visions I've had, the, 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 the supernatural encounters I've had. And it's like, 
that was not a dream. That was not a fantasy. That was not a delusion. It was real. You could feel everything there. And so you can't just mm -hmm. shut it out and say it's not real. Okay, you can't just drop that. You need to go in that strength. And that in its on its own has kept me. The Holy Ghost has been the number one. And I believe the Holy Ghost is the number one that we need to be able to remain disciplined, all right, in our devotion to the Lord. Now, when it comes to things, we feel led, okay? Mm -hmm. okay. All right. When it comes to things, we feel led to do. Okay. Yeah, the things we feel led to do, like the things he's called yes, us to do. For the things he has called us to do, not only should we do it, okay? We should also, also, also strengthen our convictions. If there is anything that is going to keep us going at a time when everything else surrounding us is showing us contrary, to what we believe, we have to fall back to the convictions we had when we started out. You see, uh, it's, it's more easier to receive uh, guidance as to what to start doing for the Lord or what God is calling us to do by faith, okay, than it is for us to continue to push. A lot of people have started, but not everyone continues. Some do it for a while and they drop by the wayside. Are you with me? So one of the ways to remain disciplined for this is to be to stay with your convictions, actually. In the place where we stay with our convictions, our convictions have a way of strengthening us. Our convictions have a way of giving us strength for one more step. Mm -hmm. For instance, when God called me to go into the ministry, I was actually in, in college, or I would say in the university. And while I was there, I began to have this heavy, heavy burden that, look, it was time for me to go into the ministry. And I was like, God, I was not ready. And he told me I had to go for three months. I struggled with that. But I knew and I was getting so much confirmations for and so eventually I gave in and I went down from ministry. Now, when I went into the ministry, I was faced with so much trials, so much trials, enough to discover one turn their backs on the ministry. You had to trust God for feeding. You have to, can you hear me? You have to trust God for. Yes. Hello. Okay. Yeah. I'm here. Are you there? I thought you were. Yeah. It's breaking okay. a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. For, you said trusting God for provision. Yes. I, I had to trust. I had to trust God for everything. I had to trust God for my for my for my rented my apartment. I had to trust God for food. I had to trust God for clothing. I had to trust God for transportation. I didn't have to, I didn't want to depend on the ministry I was serving under. 
because it was also a growing ministry. And I also didn't want to depend on them because I believed it wasn't the ministry that called me. It was God that set me apart for this work. It was God who called me for this work. This is also applicable for business, all right? It's not just spiritual. Whether you're called into a ministry or whether you're called to serve God in whichever capacity, this also applies because you will need to trust him for every step of the way. You need to depend on him for every step of the way. And that conviction you have, do you truly believe? Do you truly believe that what you're doing right now is what God is a, is a faith walk. Okay, remember the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. There is no denying the fact that struggles will come. In fact, you are going to want to give up. There are going to be times when it will look like, am I even called? Did God even set me apart for this? How do I continue? Or there are going to be times when distractions will be fighting to get that attention. There are going to be so many distractions on the way. Now, it still falls back to your conviction. What am I convinced about? Really, did I really give myself to this? Or was I playing from the beginning? If you are as convinced as I was when you know, I went into the ministry, then you would come out strong. You would come out strong. You will find yourself you know, going, even when there is nothing around you that gives you a reason to keep going. You come to a point when everything around you kind of even dis. But you know what? Upon your conviction, that is where your strength will come from. You'll find yourself going. Yes, ma'am. That's good. Yeah, that is really good. So can you elaborate on the process and importance of being consecrated or set apart for the Lord? The process and consecrated or set apart for the Lord. To add on that, um, I need to... First of all, in John 15, 19, it says, abide in me, all right? Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot abide by itself, it cannot stand on its own. It says, even so, you can't do anything without me. For without me, you can do absolutely nothing. About consecration to the Lord, okay? Where I no longer live for Hello. Hello. Yeah, sorry, there was a network. Yeah, I think it uh, cut off, but we can pick up where we left off. Okay. Yes. Can I mm -hmm. continue? Okay. So I was talking about consecration, right? Being set apart from the Lord, for the Lord. Being set apart for the Lord. Now, this is what consecration means, to be set apart for him now. 
on the process and importance. Uh, and let me begin by saying the importance of consecration before I talk about the process. Okay. The importance of consecration is that it makes us fit for the use of God. It enables us to easily flow with him. You see, there are a lot of things that sin and sin can do to us. One of them is contamination. Okay, Sin pollutes our heart and makes it difficult for us to connect with the Lord. Yes, you know, our, our relationship with him is not severed in any way. We are still his children, but it affects our communication. Okay, God doesn't just say, because you have not lived up to this standard, I'm casting you away. No, that's not what he does. But it affects relationship, uh, communication with him in the sense that sin and guilt work together. And guilt hinders you from praying, for example, hinders you from fellowship, for example, and it becomes a wall. But through consecration, you keep the, the highway clear. The, the connection remains open. You are able to flow with God. You are able to represent Christ properly. The Holy Ghost is able to walk in you and through you, you know, with free cause. All right. And not only so, you become a worthy vessel that he can use. In, in the book of 2 Timothy, I think, chapter 2, he says if a man will purge himself from these things, that he would be a vessel unto honor that is fit for every good work. So that means if the man does not purge him, purge himself from this thing, he, he disqualifies himself. He exempts himself from becoming that vessel that brings honor to the Lord. So uh, the importance of consecration cannot, cannot be overemphasized. In fact, in the world where we live in right now, consecration is what creates the divine between a true Christian and a false Christian, between those who are for Christ and those who are just wolves in sheep clothing. You know, there's so much deception in the world today. You know, there's so much lies in the world today. A lot of people just want to take advantage of others in the name of being children of God and belonging to the family of faith. Believers, a lot of so-called believers are tearing each other down. But consecration is what creates that dividing line and you're able to know who is truly for Christ and who is not. Now, what's the process for consecration? The process of consecration is complete dependence on the Holy Spirit. I've said that before, but that's the truth. That's the whole, the whole thing, complete dependence, because consecration is not a product of our religious works. Consecration is a product of our faith. And when I mean faith, I don't just mean uh, mental, you know, ascent, where you feel good about it and you believe it's going to be. No, faith means complete dependence on him for everything. For holiness, for example, where you, you, can't, you, you depend on God and not on your strength to resist temptation. A lot of people feel that through personal discipline, they will be able to fight spiritual battles but it doesn't work like that okay yeah. the spiritual requires spiritual weapons to fight i remember finding myself in this position many times and i'll be like hey when i fast and pray i'm going to deal with this challenge but guess what 
it will allow me to finish my fast, finish my personal retreat. And when I'm back, I fall into the same error again. Mm. And so I was actually depending on those spiritual exercises and thinking, oh, it's when I do this that uh, I'm able to bribe God in a sense to give me the strength. But you know what? I was not walking by faith. I wasn't depending on God to enable me. All right? Faith is that lifestyle I choose and that part where I choose as a result of the conviction I have of who God is, what he has promised, and what he can do. That's good. All right? So I'm, con- I'm convinced about that, and that keeps me. So this is a process, complete dependence on the Holy Ghost, completely dependent. The child of God needs to learn to completely trust the Holy Ghost, and through his dependence on the Holy Spirit, he will be empowered for consecration. He will be empowered to be set you know, apart for the Lord. And that is where his strength comes. Mm. That is really good. Do you believe like consecration is just like a season or do you think it's like a lifestyle? Like, do you think that we go through, oh, I'm in this season, I get saved, I get consecrated and then that's it? Or do you feel like it's a lifelong thing? It's It's a lifelong thing, okay? It's a lifelong thing, and it's also what we are born into when we become born again. But it's not a one-off thing, yeah. all right? It's not, it's not what we just become born again and we are just born into and it becomes it. No, what happens is that when we become born again, through our connection to God, all right, we are declared holy because we belong to God. Remember in the Old Testament, all right? Sorry, let me, let me throw back to that. In the Old Testament, when any vessel is dedicated to God, that vessel is called holy. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. For example, the cups, the plates, and everything, they would, the Lord would ask Moses to consecrate them. And from that day, they become holy cups. You see, they are not holy cups because they were thrown down from heaven. They were made with the same materials like our normal cups. Mm-hmm. But what made them holy is because now they belong to God. Yeah. It's the same thing with the child of God. The moment we become born again, we are holy. We become holy people. We become consecrated, but a lifelong lifestyle. It is not just a trophy we are giving. It becomes our lifestyle. Because you could still carry that your holiness that you have been given. Don't forget it's a gift. We did not merit it. We didn't, we didn't work for it. We didn't earn it. It's a gift that we're giving, just like our salvation, okay? But we have our role to play. And what's that role? To continue in it. To continue in it. That is where spiritual growth and spiritual discipline comes in, where we continue in the world. We continue to give ourselves. We continue to practice it. Or else you will see the person who has been saved, who has been consecrated, who has been purified, he will go back and act like none of that ever happened in their lives. You get it? So it's a lifelong thing where you're learning, I am learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really good. Some of the things we've learned before, we relearn them again. Some of the things we learned before that are not healthy, we own them. God is patiently working on us, transforming our minds, transforming our lives and who we is why the scripture gives us the promise okay that eventually you will christ will be formed in you 
Christ is not formed immediately. That is why you will still find yourself struggling with certain things. But all through the process of consecration, Christ is gradually being formed in you until you become what the scripture calls the perfect man. But it takes time. It takes process. It takes spiritual discipline. So, all right. How can we be victorious when met with resistance when it comes to prayer and living according to a certain standard of holiness unto the Lord? Okay, how we can be victorious? It begins with faith. It begins with faith. John chapter 1, verse 16, it says, Of his fullness have we received grace upon grace. Of his fullness. Jesus came full of grace. Okay, and he, in Jesus we have an endless spring of this grace. We cannot be victorious over resistance mm-hmm. without the grace of God. Okay? We cannot be resistant. And how do we tap into the grace of God? It is true faith. It is true faith. But we must understand that this grace is available for us and it's called grace upon grace. That, that means there is always uh, an overflow of this grace to us. Okay? All right. And then Romans 8 tells us, that, number one, I told you, it has to be by faith, okay? Then uh, Romans 8 tells us that the Spirit of God helps our infirmities, yeah. for we don't know how we ought to pray. Remember that scripture? Yeah. That we don't know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us, with groanings which cannot be uttered. You see, in the place when you, you want to pray, but you, you just lack motivation to pray. You are finding resistance within you to pray. You, are, you know, so many things are coming in. You're finding it difficult to pray, to live according to the standard of God. You must remember that it is the Spirit that helps our infirmities. What's the infirmities? There's not just talking about affliction. It's talking about our limitations, our weaknesses. As much as we are saved and regenerated in the Spirit, we are still in the flesh. Okay? And our flesh is still subject to things like weaknesses, is this subject to things like uh, natural, natural cravings, okay? That we must discipline ourselves to deal with. And so when the scripture says, when you crucify the flesh, you also crucify it along with the lusts thereof, all right? But it is the spirit that helps our infirmities. Number one, where I mentioned grace was because a lot of people think it's all about being mantra about it. Is being able to make resolutions, and but you and I know that after we make so many resolutions, sometimes we end up being the ones to break those resolutions because we know we don't really keep to many of them. All right, so the spirit helps our infirmities and he gives us grace. The grace of the Lord is available for us. Second Corinthians 8, I think, verse 9 or so, he says that God is able to make all grace abound towards you in all things that you always having all sufficiency may abound unto every good work. So how do I, where do I, how, you know, how do I generate strength to live to the standard of holiness and, you know, which is called good works. Now, live to the standard of holiness and works that are acceptable before God. I need to trust God for it. All right. Faith comes in. I need to trust God for it. You know, 
where I believe God for the grace. The scripture told us God is able to make that grace available to me. That means I need the grace. If the grace is not available for me, I will not be yeah. able to, you know, abound onto every good work. I don't know if that makes sense to you. I won't be able to abound onto every good work. But the scripture is telling us now that God is able to make that grace abound to me. He's able to make it abundant, abundantly available to me so that I will have all the sufficiency that I need to stay in good works. So I need that sufficiency, but that sufficiency is going to come through God's enablement. So number one, know the grace of God. Number two, the Holy Spirit. And number three, faith in that grace and in the Holy Spirit of God. Yeah, that is that how is we are and going to be victorious really when we are met with Um Grace has been perverted. So a lot of people, well, some people like interpret that as a license to sin, but true grace is yeah. actually supernatural power. Exactly. Holy. So yeah, it makes plenty of sense. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But not try in your strength take my strength take my strength that is what grace means it's not go ahead and do whatever you want i'm going to you know blink an eye or turn 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 away from you know i'm going to help you to live above this that's what grace is yes so what practical things would you suggest when dealing with procrastination or heaviness or lack of motivation All right. Um, this, this is a very, very practical question because I, 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 I've experienced this also. I find myself procrastinating so much. I won't lie about that. I find myself at points where I lack motivation for some things. But these things usually dissipate when I pray in the Holy Spirit, when I pray in tongues for a long time. You know, I will usually when I spend time in prayer, I come out feeling very energetic, feeling very motivated. And I'm ready to produce results. I feel like I've just recharged when I pray in the Holy Spirit. So I believe prayer is one of the practical things too that will help kill procrastination. And I don't just mean praying against procrastination. I mean spending time more in prayer. You know, a lot of people pray against it and they still go back to it. But, you know, spend time, <laughs> yeah, spend time praying to God. Just spend time with God. Enjoy fellowship with God. Enjoy yourself with the Lord. Someone, I had a conversation with someone and it was like, he believes that prayer should be something we enjoy. You know, we want to talk with the lover of our soul. We should enjoy every moment of it. And you cannot experience this or enjoy every moment of prayer and come back feeling, you know, unmotivated. Again, you, yeah. you, you feel there's this exchange of fire within your spirit that when you come out, the things you've written down that you were going to do and you've locked them out before, he brings it to your remembrance, all right? The Holy Ghost brings it to your remembrance and you find yourself, you know, desirous of them again. You didn't have a desire for them before, but you find yourself, you know, pushing towards them again. That's what he does. He motivates us. That's the, my biggest motivation, actually. That's the Holy Spirit. And then number two, I am accountable to a lot of people. And I would suggest that for 
believers that are dealing with procrastination heaviness have people around you who have a way of fanning your flames one, one of the things that uh, keeps us cold many times is not because we don't love god enough it's because many of us are surrounded with uh, people who rather than ignite a fire they extinguish them they, mm. they, 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 are, they are cold and they are okay with you being cold. They can stay for mm. weeks without prayer and they, it makes no difference to them whether you, you, are, you, are, you, are, you are going short of your prayer time. You know what I mean? When you usually pray an hour a day and then you stop praying, it, it makes no difference to them. They don't notice it. But I would encourage believers to be surrounded with people who would notice when you are praying lesser and lesser. People who would notice when you are studying your Bible less frequently. People who would notice when there are, you know, changes that are not really signs of growth. Not people who would condemn you for it. Not people who would attack you, but people who would lovingly call your attention to it and try to inquire if there is a way they can help you. All right. That's one of the benefits of my Bible study campaign. I, I had a lot of challenges there. When I started, a lot of Christians there who were trying to come, in quote, flex their muscles. And what, they were all, what that was always ending up doing was keep other timid around them. The, the atmosphere wasn't open for believers to share their experiences or whatever they were going through because there was always someone coming with a perfect article of his study outline of himself and so others felt dwarfed under that light and i told them look i'm not trying to i don't want to be a superstar in this group this group for the purpose of it the the name of the group is fireplace the vision is to gather people around this fire of the word of god and draw heat from it and so there's only one superstar here and that's jesus so I don't want you to make yourself look like a superhero that everyone is always standing in awe of you. I appreciate your spiritual. You are all grown up, but I don't think this is the place for you. This is a place where people can come and not be afraid to share their ignorance and exchange it for knowledge, exchange it for, for love, exchange it for the help of God and exchange it. But the moment they become afraid, they will hide their ignorance and try to copy what you are doing. And at the end of the day, we are raising hypocrites who are public success and private failures because no one knows what they are doing in the secret. It's easy to come out and appear perfect on the outside. But on the inside, they are going through things they can't talk about with anyone. So I want us to have that system where everyone is almost operating at the same level, not because we are in the same level spiritually, but we are creating a platform where those that are down can climb and those that are up can remain safe without falling down. So why did I share this? Is because at that time, a lot of them began to This was what even proved that what I was saying was true. Because if you truly love the Lord and you are truly working with God, you will be glad to help your fellow believer grow. You will be glad to support them. You will be glad to you know, lower yourself to their level, not because you are... You are, you are becoming cold but because you want to lift them. It's like a soldier, a soldier in the, in, at war. When your fellow is shot, carry him to safety. 
while you are still defending both of you. Belief for me, that is like the, one of the peak of true spiritual maturity. All right? Not where you are, you, are, you are on the move and you leave believers that are crumbling in ignorance and being victims of the devil. And all you do is look at them and tell them they are not doing enough. They are not trying enough. They are not making enough effort as if what you have is a product of your works and not a product of grace. Okay? So I, I, I had that issue with them. And a lot of them left the group. And we had very few people remaining in the group. But I liked that because it made the group unique. It's not just any Bible study group. It's a place for spiritual growth. People have come in and seen themselves grow through that accountability to someone else. You know, that was how I got into this. Through that accountability to someone else that they don't feel afraid to approach. So when we are accountable to people, we know we have reason to do what we need to do. Also, when we are surrounded with people who are also burning for God, they have a way of motivating us. For example, one thing that ignites my passion is when I see young people who are surrounded with so much persecution and discouragement and they are still serving God. It ignites my passion for God more and more. It steers my motivation. For example, while I was writing my devotional, I was so glad I was doing 365 days uh, devotional. On a daily basis, I was writing one devotional per day for 365 days. And I thought I was doing something great until I went online and I see some, saw someone who was writing for his 3,000 plus days. And I was like, what? That means I had not even started. (laughs) (laughs) And that was some motivation. There were days when I was doing my 365, I would feel so weary. And I was like, God, I've tried. Let me take the day off. And I knew I wouldn't be able to do that. I knew I wouldn't be able to do that. But I I would drag my feet so many times. But when I saw this person at his 3,000 plus, and I was like, what? I need to buckle up. That was some motivation. That didn't come from a place of guilt. That didn't come from a place of condemnation. It simply came from me seeing the work of someone else. It simply came from me seeing an encouraging work someone was doing for the love of his savior on his own without any direct physical contact with me. And I was encouraged. So when you build such a world around yourself, right, you you, you create uh, various platforms where you can draw motivation from but you know just like i said from the very beginning we trust the holy spirit and we pray prayer has a way of stirring motivation and then number two have people that we are accountable to and who surround us with love and passion we can draw strength from other people's fire i believe that that is beautiful i love that um, so, Pastor James, what advice would you give any aspiring writers, book authors who feel led to um, be scribes or, in other words, expressing God's heart through writing? Yeah. God's heart through writing, right? Okay. I, mm-hmm. I would what say... What advice do you have first? Yeah, I, I would, uh, my advice advice would be to follow the Lord.
Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, okay. Um, we're back. Sorry, the connection broke up. Yeah. So um, we'll just leave off the pick up where we left off and then I'll repeat the question. Um, it was, what advice would you give any aspiring writers, book authors who feel led to be scribes or in other words, expressing God's heart through writing? I didn't get that. So the question was, what advice would you give to any aspiring writers or book authors who feel led to be scribes or in other words, who feel led to express God's heart through writing? What advice okay. do you have? Yeah. Um, my, my advice would be for them to just follow God. All right? They should follow the inspiration of the Spirit. They should focus on Him, not on people not on the things happening around them. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. All right. So I was saying they have the let them give themselves over to the Lord. Let them write. If I can write, then anyone can write. I I believe that so strongly. If I can write, I God write what He wants them to write. They shouldn't try to themselves through the work of someone else. They shouldn't try to validate themselves through what someone thinks about them. The fact that God has called them to do what he's placing in their heart, that means God validates them. So they should commit to that, which God has called them to do, no matter where they are right now. Like I use myself, for example, after my experience with God at the age of 13, whatever came to mind, I put it down. Over the years, I kept learning and unlearning. And some of the things I had written before, I went back to correct them. But I was open to see myself grow and be submissive to the new teachings and the new experiences I'll be having while I progress. You would see that who, whichever writer or author gives themselves to this over the years, Will be growth shoots, right? Yes, Hello? it's breaking up a little. All right. Yeah. Did you hear me? No. <laughs> I hear you now. 
Okay. Did you hear all no. I said? Oh, I should so go over it. I heard okay. what you said up to. Are you there? Can you hear me okay? Hello. Yes. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Did you hear all I said about the last question, please? Um, I did up until where it was when you said something about if God gives you something, then he validates you. But I really didn't hear much of it. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. So let me go over that. I said that each and every one of us, each and every one of these writers, these scribes, should not try to get validation from what people think or say or feel about you, but rather from who God has commissioned you to be. As long as God validates you, that should be enough for you, all right? Don't worry about where you are right now. Don't worry about what you know or don't know right now. Just focus on putting down what God wants you to put down for your world as time goes on, you are going to learn more. As long as you are following him, he will teach you. And when you progress in your knowledge, you bring, open your heart out to learn those things and then introduce them to your work, correct your former ignorance and keep going. Don't be too uh, rigid so that you are unable to take in new experiences and the new training God will give you. But don't also be too vulnerable or to open to everything that comes around you so that you are not stable. If you are following God, you are going to be stable. You are going to only write down what he wants you to write down and follow only what he wants you to follow because he will give you a direction. Your life, your calling, and your, your vision, okay, it's, 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 it finds itself, it finds its fulfillment in the pursuit of God's own intention. Is a product of God's intention. There's something God wants to do. That is why he placed that vision in your heart. And if you focus on it, you will be able to achieve that desire that God wants you to have. And that is going to be where you will find your true joy from. Not doing what I'm doing, not doing what everyone else is doing, but do only what God places in your heart to do. You will discover that that is what true fulfillment means. Yeah, Amen. that's beautiful. Amen. Um, can you tell us how we can purchase your books or connect with your blog site um, and social media? Yes, yes, sure. Um, my books, I, can I share the links here? Can I just talk about them? For those who want to uh, follow me on Facebook, uh, my page on Facebook and Instagram is The Official James George. The Official James George. It will lead you straight to my Facebook and Instagram page. On Facebook, that's my page name. And on Instagram, that's my page name. You can follow me there. 
And then you can have all my links in one place where you can access my books. You can go to Amazon and get Got Oil by James George. You're going to find there Got Oil, Got Oil, an exhortation from the Bible of the Ten Virgins. And you can also find Your Journey with God by James O. George. You'll find it there. But I, you, if you follow this link that I'm about to share, you will be able to uh, access all my links in one place that can take you to my blog site, uh, my emails, and every other thing. Link, linktr.ee slash hero underscore Jamie. Linktr, for those of us that are familiar with mm-hmm. Linktree, this is the, the, my, my web, web link. Linktr.ee slash hero, hero, H-E-R-O, underscore Jamie, J-A-M-I-E. So if you click on this link, it will take you straight to my my page and all my links are there. You could get in touch with me, follow me on Facebook, send me a friend request, uh, follow me on Instagram and we can get to know each other. You can reach my blog and you can also access my books and my other content. Amen. Well, Pastor James, it was an honor to have you on today. The pleasure is mine. Thanks for the privilege. Thank you for allowing us to glean from your wisdom. And um, in concluding this time together, I want to ask if you could close us out and and, end our time in prayer. Okay. Thank you. I want to appreciate you also for having me. It's a great privilege. I'm so glad to be here. And I trust God that this time we've had together will bless everyone that have heard it will encourage everyone and even you too. I want to encourage you to keep up this good work. You are doing an amazing job. You may never be able to fully meet with or hear from everyone that your work is touching. But I want you to know that God recognizes what you're doing. And if you faithfully remain there, you are not going to miss your reward in in the name of Jesus. And also in your time of, of weakness, when you trust God for motivation because you are facing so many things all together, I want you to remember that he's Amen. with you. He's with you and he's not leaving you. So let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We appreciate you. We are so full of joy for this long-awaited day that you brought us into and you gave us this wonderful experience of both hearing and sharing together. Lord, we pray for everyone listening. We say, Father, you will speak to their hearts. You will touch them. You will empower them. Whatever phase of life they are in right now, let these words come to bring relief. Let it bring assurance. Let it bring hope. Let it open the eyes of the blind. Let it give direction to the confused. In the name of Jesus Christ. I've shared personal testimonies with them. I pray, Lord God, that those personal testimonies will encourage them to believe you for their own miracles. In the name of Jesus. And I join my faith with everyone listening to this podcast right now. I pray for the sick, that the healing power of Christ will flow over them now. From the crown of their head to the sole of their feet. In the name of Jesus Christ. Everyone with a terminal disease. I command it to disappear now in the name of Jesus Christ. Everyone with a report from the devil that has told them words that are contrary to your promises for their life. 
Father, prove your word for them in the name of Jesus Christ. Let your report triumph over the report of the doctors in the name of Jesus. Every person trusting you for provision, I receive supernatural abundance for them in the name of Jesus. Everyone at the verge of despair and discouragement, I receive a fresh flow of inspiration, motivation, help, and angelic ministration in the name of Jesus. Every devices of the enemy against this one shall not prosper. They are preserved and sustained through your ever mighty hands. In Jesus' name, I have prayed. Thank Amen. You. And I pray for my sister also, Charmaine Gaitas. I pray that it will be yes, well Lord. with her. Her family is blessed. You will continue to grant her open doors of ministry. You will connect her to men and to women who would both inspire her and bless the world. You will use her to bring hope to families, to heal broken hearts, and to transform destinies, and to breathe that instrument to your hand for a harvest of souls. Even in these days of trials and deceptions and tribulations, in the name of Jesus, her faith will not fail in the name of Jesus. And you will turn her weeping into joy in Jesus', Jesus name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Amen.